Born in 1971, Tupac Amaru Born in Lausanne Parish Crooks, Tupac would have been 50 years old today. He is widely considered to be one of the most influential rappers of all time. September 7, 96, Shakur was shot four times by an unknown assailant, died six days later. The gunman never captured. By the time he released his debut album, Tupacalypse Now, 91, he had become a central figure in West Coast hip-hop. This track here is from All Eyes on Me, 1994, featuring artists like Dr. Dre, Roger Troutman, George Clinton, Method Man. A month before Shakur's birth, his mother, Athene, was tried in New York City as part of the Panther 21 criminal trial. She was acquitted of over 150 charges. Many of Tupac's family members were involved in the Black Panthers, Black Liberation Army, including his dad, Billy Garland, who had been active a Black Panther party member in New York in the 60s and 70s. And, by the way, 50 years ago today, the Polynesian Panther Party was formed. So there you go, there's a little Tupac for you for the fans. Have you heard of the song Cindy Michener. I have heard yeah, of mine. My, my nephew track, had um, a poster of yep, Tupac. You know that, the, that great big long one. Yeah, you yeah. know the image. Yep, yep. It all eyes on me. What How old was he when he died? Um, 1996. Not quite sure, but he wasn't very old. No, very, I, very young. I doubt he is dead. He still seemed to be releasing songs like 10 years after That's his That's one of the big things about Tupac. Uh, that One of the, the, the great eight facts about Tupac is one of the most people think he's alive. Yeah. But, but because his, he, he recorded such a catalogue that they're still bringing out his songs. Yeah. Wow. So where do you think he lives? I, 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 no, it, a, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, Graceland. Yeah, uh, hey, Mutu. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's for all the two park fans there. A wonderful track called California Love. It's twenty six to five. The panel are NZ National. I'm with Cindy Mitchin and Nick Ward. Uh, and just a little bit of your feedback because we've had some wonderful uh, responses regarding uh, malapropisms. Just a couple more here. Um, discovered while doing a New York Times crossword today that what I thought was anchors away is actually anchors away. So the spelling difference, anchors away, A-W-A-Y, is actually A-W-E-I-G-H. I'm 62 and I have an M-A in English. (laughs) (laughs) Anchors away. Yeah. So, yes, everybody can uh, have their own uh, little wee malapropism, can't they? My favourite is chickens coming home to roast. (laughs) And the best malapropism ever, try ordering the cafe special advertised as a seizure salad. (laughs) (laughs) S-E-I-Z-U-R-E. You're on the panel, RNZ National. Nice to have you company. An event to launch a new rugby sponsor for Canterbury Schools has left the female players in attendance feeling ignored, with all attention going to the boys' teams. Mark Mills, the chief executive of the car dealership Miles Toyota, neglected to mention the girls' schools in his opening speech on behalf of the sponsor. He has since apologised, saying he accidentally omitted this. But to discuss the issue is Christian O'Neill, principal of Christchurch Girls High School. Christian, kia ora. Kia ora, team. How are you all? We're all, I Good, think we're all you. very well. Thank Splendid. you. Splendid. Yeah. So, Marvellous. Who was at this event on Monday evening, Christine? Uh, it was a specific invitation to the principals of both the boys and, well, of all the schools with boys and girls teams in the competition, the team captains and coaches and managers. So it was a reasonably intimate gathering of, say, 40 to 50 people in a space, so you can't avoid seeing who's in front of you. <laughs> this has had a pretty huge response online, this story. Um, can you tell us on the panel here what exactly happened in the speech 
And what was going through your mind at the time? Um, I think the problem was that the speech was so specific. So it began with um, uh, Mark slightly turned towards the... just turned out that the room was divided. Well, we're not divided, but there were boys to the left, males, males, male coaches to the left, females, female coaches to the right. He had slightly turned to the left and launched into a, well, welcome to all you boys. It's great to see you here. It's great to have been along to watch the boys' games. So his speech was very specific about boys rather than a general speech. And as it went on, it wasn't a short speech, but it wasn't extremely long, probably about five minutes. As it went on, the women were looking at each other thinking, well, I'm presuming he's going to get to the girls. Um, but, of course, that didn't happen. And the speech finished. And I guess what was going through my mind was, has this just happened? Have <laughs> I just heard what I've heard? And there was a, a, quite a bit of rumbling amongst the girls and women present. And one of my staff actually said, there's girls here. And the CEO of the CERFU got up to speak, waved us to be quiet. And I presume that he would address it at the start of his speech, like positively in the sense of, I don't know, these people are CEOs. It's not the um, boy that's, or the person that cleans the cars out on the car yard or the leaders of the organisation. So you would presume that you are competent in the etiquette at an event. So I thought he would get up and say, look, Mark's had a hard day or something. Clearly, there's girl, you know, girls' teams here. Retrieve it. That didn't happen. He went on to give his speech. He did mention both competitions, but that was it. And the, that part of the function finished. We were left in disbelief, really. They both clearly knew the females in the room were unhappy. The CRFU female staff, the um, rugby officers, were disgusted and expressed that to me. Um, and I thought, really, this beggars belief in 2021. Well, and you there uh, as part of uh, a culture which is a vibrant and growing um, sector, which is the women's rugby. Uh, yeah. There you are as principal of Christchurch Girls High School going, what just happened? Yeah, and um, prior to this, I've had 10 years as a principal in a boys' secondary school in Christchurch, who also, you know, obviously had a team in the boys' competition. And you see the differences. And I looked around mm. and I thought, I'm the most, I'm the female here. I was the only female principal there. I thought, I'm the most senior, if you want to use the word senior female in the room. Do I leave this or do I say something about it? Because there's a real, a real power imbalance for the others to say something. The young um, uh, team captains of the girls' teams, they want to do well in their careers, they want to progress. Um, and I decided, yes, it was one event, but it's part of a continuum and I, uh, I needed to say something about it because I felt mm. I felt for all the girls in the room, not just not just the fact that girls' highs are very, uh, a powerhouse of female rugby, but all those young women in the room, I felt for. Yeah, well, good, good on you. I mean, I think it is systemic sexism basically and I'm sure Mark Mills is horribly embarrassed. Yeah. Um, dare I say this, is it, would it have happened in Auckland? Is it, you know, Christchurch is slightly white male, uh, you know, it just has a, a, a different makeup to some of our other cities, doesn't it? Do you think that, um, it, it, you know, I, do you think that it would have happened in Auckland? That's really hard for me to make a judgment on, um, Cindy, because I haven't been part of the Auckland 
seen, maybe not to the same extent, but I'm sure it would be there. Um, yeah. It's not my first sortie with the rugby union. I've had a previous a previous engagement around racism. So I do think there's probably some problems in Christchurch that are more exacerbated, but I'm sure in terms of the sidelining of women, despite... Um, you know, Despite where you are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And yes, it's one event, and I'm sure Mark didn't have malicious intent, but what it is is a, it's a mindset. It's not a mistake. It's a yeah. mindset where... It never yeah. occurred to him yeah. to no. include the women. Yeah, for, for me, the mindset... And I'm, 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 you know, saying I'm really glad you spoke out, but mm. I've also seen Miles' his comments since then. He said he's described it as a faux pas and said, I might have missed a bit of a trick there. Um, I, I, oh, I, oh, I feel oh. like the apology has been a bit mealy-mouthed, um, but, and I'm really, really glad you're speaking out because... This feels like something that, that that's like a throwback to the fifties, you know. Um, and yeah. I'm I'm still I'm amazed it happened. And so all power to you. And look, can I just say here we're on national radio. Congratulations to your female teams. And yeah. and I I really hope that we see some real stars come out of that. Yeah. Captains and players and people that go on to be to be stars in the industry. Sure, Nick. Yeah, good thoughts. Christine? I really, really appreciate that. There are some female athlete, athletes there in, in the game who are equally as skilled and talented players as the boys. So, you know, we look forward to watching them progress into the Black Ferns. We just, all do. Just finally, Christine, would you like to see a little bit of a... And this, is, this probably speaks to a wider issue of actually addressing people in a room, right? Because even, even, yeah. the, even you, what, no, what, what really came out for me also was just the body language. Tilting towards... So one half of the audience is female, but you're tilting mainly towards the guys. Yeah, so there, out of touch. Does there need to be more... And not just Mark, but more of a, um, a bit of an education, a bit of corridor around... Um, addressing people correctly, particularly, as you said, when you are at the top of a corporation? Well, I don't know how you don't see the room in front of you. <laughs> I don't know how you do that. And, I, yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's not for me to tell the rugby union how to fix their problems. So you get a little bit tired of solving uh, things for people when we're not the problem. <laughs> well, for now, um, kia ora, Christine. Uh, really uh, lovely to have you on the panel. Thank you. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Good evening. Uh, that's Christine O'Neill there, principal of Christchurch Girls High School. Quite a story, that one. <laughs> and it's certainly got a lot of traction uh, in, uh, in the media, that's for sure. It's 17 to 5, the panel is national. Just a couple more malapropisms because they've been just wonderful. Um, taken for granted, the proof is not in the pudding. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. <laughs> what did the first one even, <laughs> even mean? Uh, my daughter thought the song went, money for nothing and the chips for free. <laughs> and my brother thought Mick Jagger was Mick Jagger, oh. as in a small C. <clears throat> and my best malapropism, uh, I, I thought you were talking to a city missioner. Not Cindy Michener. <laughs> I could be a Cindy Michener. Yeah. Who knows? Now, new research sheds a light on how screen time may impact on the cognitive development of children using information from the longitudinal growing up in New Zealand study. Some of the findings include that children who live in a heavy TV environment and eat meals in front of the TV have been associated with poorer executive functions at four and a half years of age. While the majority of two-year-old children had one hour or less of screen time per day, 
12% spent three or more hours a day on screens. With us now is Maria Corkin, a doctoral researcher in the School of Psychology at the University of Auckland. Maria Chiara, welcome to the panel. Hello. I can imagine this particular research, um, so many people listening to this right now are familiar, including me, with the issue of what sort of screen time is appropriate for, say, a two-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old. It's a tough one, eh, because it gets longer and longer and longer. Yes, it's very topical and a lot of parents are concerned because we're surrounded by screens now and children do like interacting with screens. So sometimes um, it can be difficult to manage it and to to know how much is going to be appropriate for your child. How does having poorer executive function affect a child? Tell us, explain it a bit. Well, executive functions are a range of cognitive functions like inhibitory control and flexible thinking and working memory. And the executive function that we focused on in our study in particular is inhibitory control. So that can help children to control their impulses. Um, So inhibitory control can be very important in helping children to manage their behaviour and carry out the everyday activities effectively. Um, And it's related to academic achievement because it can help children to follow routines and rules at school and stay focused on their schoolwork. And another area that could be supported by good executive functions is their social ability. Cindy, you have a question? Uh, Yeah. Um, Is there a, uh, a differentiation between the type of screen and the content of the screen? I mean, there's the sort of, Lily used to have a thing called Barbie Race mm-hmm. and Ride, and she would play that. And, you know, when I take it off her, she'd get quite angry. But then she also had something else with little singy-wee songs on it, and that didn't seem to um, get the same reaction when it was taken away. So I'm wondering what your views are on the actual content in the screen. Absolutely. The content of screen time makes a very big difference. And we looked at this to an extent in our study. Uh, We looked at adult um, content versus child content, but we weren't able to get into um, more nuanced content, um, like you're talking about um, things that have music in them or um, the different types of children's programs. Um, But... There is a lot of research that has shown that the content um, of the screen media does make a difference with executive functions. The one thing I've noticed with my own stepson is it's not necessarily games or whatever. It's just Mm -hmm. communicating with friends and other people and this chat that's going on and suddenly he's not in the room with us you know he's communicating with all his friends and all the others so it's not really about what's but it's that thing that draws away and I'll I'll be really honest with you the the same thing happened to me you know that you're glued to your phone right uh, and and I've tried to find ways to limit it in myself that then hopefully that will (laughs) impact okay let's have time time Mm. out for all of us Mm. you know I I think um, because I used to do a thing with friends when we 
went to the pub where we did a thing called the stack, where you put all the phones in the middle and stacked them up, and you weren't allowed to answer them unless you, um, if you wanted to answer and it was an emergency or whatever, <laughs> you had to, had to buy a whole lot of drinks for everybody. But it changed everything because we weren't on the phones, and we also weren't using Google to look up <laughs> the answers to questions we were saying. So there was more of an interesting conversation. We didn't go, who was that uh, singer yeah. in that song? Um, so I'm wondering not so much about the content, but it's about this kind of being drawn out into this other social. I, I, I think that's what I'm saying in a blathering kind of way. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. I, I think um, there's probably a few differences there because we looked at preschoolers specifically. So right. um, the, the social side of it um, probably isn't coming out quite so much there, but picking up on your point about it being in the background, um, we did find that um, having a heavy TV environment where the TV is going um, for long periods of time, whether or not the child was watching it, um, was associated with higher amounts of, of screen time. Um, so I, I guess that relates in some ways, but... Um, they're at a different stage in the preschool years because parents have a lot more control over um, their screen use then than perhaps they, they can when children are a bit older. Is, is there a bit of a kind of a, a get-out-of-jail-free thing for parents where I'll put my child on the screen and get a break from them? Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. We, we all do that, don't we, Maria? I do it. Yeah. Um, well, there have been studies where parents have actually reported that that is the reason um, at times when they allow their children to have screen time. Um, and I, I think that's probably okay on occasion to do that. Uh, but I think based on our research that parents should be endeavouring to use screens with their child as as much as they can. Okay. Um, Co-watching or co yeah. Or playing, yeah. or, or, play, le- exactly. or learning. I mean, things Absolutely. like athletics, and you know, there yeah. are, are you know a, lo- a lot of screen apps, etc., that okay. can be quite social. All right, nice, uh, Maria Corkin. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it. That's right. Thank um, you. Maria is a doctoral researcher in the School of Psychology at the University of Auckland. Uh, a bit of response regarding uh, the women's rugby piece that we just played earlier. Now, years ago, I, a woman won the Qantas Media Award for Sports Feature Writer. It was one of the few sponsored prizes, so a few days after the award, I was rung by sponsors who wanted to know my bust size because they'd assumed the award would be won by a male and they didn't think they had a prize jacket small enough and also apologised that the jacket was accompanied by a dozen beer. <laughs> How long How ago? How about that? I didn't say. Uh, um, now, sorry, guys, but it has nothing to do with potentially being Christchurch's attitude to women's rugby. Mark is from Auckland. Well, ah, thank you. Jeremy says, as a proud Cantabrian, I actually get a bit sick and tired of people continuously bagging Christchurch as the home of racism and now apparently sexism. Trust me, the rest of the country is just as bad as it, at it as they are. It's a fair point. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I yeah. was just throwing it out there. It was just a suggestion. <laughs> Good on you. Nine away from five, the panel, RNZ National. Is this the coolest coffee shop in New Zealand? A new floating coffee shop has opened up in central Otago on the brand new Lake Dunstan Cycle Trail. The scenic cycle trail links Cromwell to Clyde and along the way cyclists might be surprised to come across Jordana and Richard Fole serving lattes on a boat. With us now is Coffee Afloat co-owner Richard Fole. Richard, 
Kia ora, welcome to the panel. Hi, Wallace. Thank you very much. I'll just correct you on one thing. My wife's name is Yolanda. <laughs> Yolanda. Yeah. I apologise. No I, ap- I apologise. So, so Yolanda and yourself run this, um, this... Is it a boat cafe? It's actually on a boat. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a small pontoon boat um, that we edge in onto the side of the cycle trail there, and then we serve coffees off the front of the boat and uh, scones and things like that, fresh baking. Oh, it looks like an extraordinarily beautiful place to open up, open up a cafe. You must get up with great joy every morning on very, very frosty, cold mornings going, gosh, this is where I work. Absolutely. It's a beautiful place to be. Um, out on the lake there, the beautiful colours, and then uh, to see the joy of everybody arriving when they can smell the coffee. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, people are and, loving it. And, and how has business been since you've opened? Fantastic. Um, the, the, the trail has been so well used. Um, we really have to thank the Central Otago and Queenstown Trail Network uh, Trust uh, for setting up this and the forethought uh, that they went into uh, building this. Uh, fantastic mm. um, thing for Central Otago. And, yes, it's been really well supported um, by all ages. Um, lots of electric mountain bikes these days on there. Um, but it's great to see all these people coming out and... Uh, uh, getting their coffee fix with us. Cindy, have you seen the image? I, I have. Pretty cool, it, eh? It looks absolutely amazing. Do they, um, Richard, do you have a little sort of advertisement at the beginning of the trail which says, <laughs> you know, two and a half hours in, on the left, under the rock, is the coffee? Well, actually, we don't, but um, we, we do have um, quite a big profile now on Facebook and all of the bike companies around here obviously know about us and... Um, They'll, they'll advise the clients if we're open on that particular day. Uh, having said that, we've been open most days. It's only been probably only on about five days since the trail's been open that the weather has um, meant that we've stayed at home. Yeah, well, I I, I remember going uh, before before the world shut down. I was in London and I go into a cafe there where they were serving these massive marshmallows on top of the, and everybody was going in to have their photographs taken with them and not actually drinking them, just leaving them behind. So I can only imagine that you are the the top of Instagrammable uh, uh, social media, uh, you know, lists. Because boy howdy, I I want to be. I, I'm not a coffee drinker, but I'll happily stand on your boat with a coffee cup in my hand and say, hey, look at how cool <laughs> I am. <laughs> That's got to hey, be well, part of it, yeah. You, you should try our hot chocolates then. Our hot chocolates are fantastic as well. But I'm going to take then, you up right. on that. I'll take you up on that. Ooh. I do like a hot chocolate. Hey, Richard, all the very best. All the very best with the business, mate, and uh, I really appreciate your time uh, all the way from uh, Central Tiger there. That's Coffee Afloat co-owner Richard Fole there. Um, yeah, one of the wonderful part of the country, isn't it? It's just gorgeous. Well, mm. it's absolutely amazing. If you, I didn't realise that the track itself was cantilevered out of the side of, of rocks. It's it amazing. Is absolutely. <laughs> I always sort of thought it was, a, you know, alongside a railway line. And Andy yeah. and Cromwell has just cycled past oh. on ah. his afternoon ride. Too late for a latte, though. But such a great idea on a fabulous trail. Now, uh, and you, your um, best cafes, or, or more your favourite little local or your community cafe, they came rolling through. The Perch Parrot in Paikakariki, a real community hub. Do you know yes, that one? Yes, I do know the Perch. 
Um, my, I have been there. I have been there. My my favourite though is up in Ōtaki. The perch is good, but uh, gorge, uh, which is such a great name because you go there. It's by the gorge, but you gorge yourself when you go. Someone there. texted. Yeah. Nick will confirm. Yeah, I will confirm. I, it's it's my fave. Uh, and also, so and they do. They were doing a knuckle sandwich for a while, which was like a, a beef knuckle sandwich. They, the food is terrific, but the one thing I really like about it is their license. So at the end of the day, they'll do you a gin and tonic. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, Phenom <laughs> Kitchen in Carterton, the best incredibly fully vegetarian menu. They've converted half the meat eaters in Wairarapa in less than a year. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect coffee from Joe the Barista. Cozy retro styling. Not sure how we survived without them. Matt and Waikuku has put forward uh, the office cafe at the Old School Collective on State Highway in Woodend, North Canterbury. He says there's no competition. Robin has put forward the Church Hill Cafe in Rakiura, Stewart Island. Absolutely stunning. And Rose in Littleton Harbour says we've got the best of the cafe in Governor's Bay, Harbour House owned by local mum Nick and staffed by a gang of locals who help her out and her secret weapon, the amazing Brister Rye. He's a magician with a steam one, and I must put a bit of a shout. I'm not going to name a cafe, but I'm going to actually. Why don't I? Because I do go there uh, quite often. That's a, that's Odette's, just downtown here, sort of about sort of a few hundred meters from this. Uh, but the I, I do do a shout out because the staff are just superb. It's all it's really all about their service. But a bit of a shout out, Cindy, for the baristas because I don't know how they do it. I don't I don't have the technical expertise to make a coffee like some well, of the coffees I've been courses. drinking. You know, yeah, you can but it's just, you, you can you can uh, you can go and learn. Quite hard to quite hard yeah. to make a really good coffee, isn't it? Oh, it's very easy to make a bad cup of exactly. coffee. Exactly, I that think much the I know. freshness of the beans, and I mean that's the difference between sort no, of. No, it's actually in the making of it, just the way they well. make it. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't you supposed to use the beans that have already passed through the digestive tract of a cat? No, they're about to, they're, they're, that's a like a, a a mouse type reptile, and you buy you can buy those beans. Beans overseas. have already been yeah. pre-digested. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. You're kidding? No. 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 So a friend of mine bought me back them from overseas. It's yeah. beans that have been eaten by something and then passed on. I, I heard it was a cat. Oh yeah. gosh. Boots I like and... the long shot. Long shot in Podsby Road. That's where I. I go to have coffee. Good on you. Boots and Cafe, Car in Thornton Bay, Coromandel, uh, Nick Ward and City Missioner. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank Kia you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm Wallace Chapman. I am back tomorrow.